You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Summer might be starting to wind down, but we're still rolling out new episodes of our summer shows. Catch Midco SN Trivia Night on Tuesdays on Facebook Live, and don't miss Midco Motorsports and Benchwarmers on Wednesdays. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shapes Podcast, taping this on a Tuesday morning, July the 21st, Alex Heinert, Build Shaves. Four weeks have gone by since our last pod, right, right around. We potted last at the end of June. As we have said the last couple times, Bill, that we've dropped on, it just feels like there's been a lot that's happened over the course of the last couple of weeks. This isn't how summer usually goes, but with everything happening, just a ton of stuff to touch on today. Excited for this podcast. Yeah, it seems like, Alex, every time we pod, it feels like even though we've done it every, say, three or four weeks, it feels like it's three or four months as far yeah. as news is concerned. So uh, this one being, I guess, technically our first one for the 2021 academic year, correct? If you want to if you want to do that, sure. Yeah, if we want to say July 1st is kind of the changeover, sure. Episode 1 of season 3. <laughs> That's exactly. It. They never they ne- they said it wasn't going to last, Alex. They said it wasn't going to last. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Oh. Well, um a lot to get to today, so we'll just kind of jump right in. As you mentioned, 2020, 2021, the calendar's flipped. Here we go. I mean, technically, we are just a couple of weeks away from when fall sports are supposed to begin. Athletes kind of have been arriving on campus over the course of the last couple of weeks, and there are games just on the horizon. So I think the big question right now, Bill, from your chair, where are we in terms of sports and the ability to have them played come this August and September? Good thing a podcast is long form, hi huh, Alex? That is a dangerous question. Uh, which direction do you want me to go? So l- let me first start with, and, and this could be a bit confusing for some folks, is that we, uh, in, in Division One, we have a lot of student athletes that take summer classes and have opportunities, whether it be uh, voluntary or otherwise, um, to be able, whether it's summer access uh, that the NCA deems, uh, um, uh, you know, a possibility for you. We have a lot of student athletes that are here on campus. So that was something that um, we've been, you know, working through as far as our protocols and having uh, uh, our facilities available, weight room, and uh, in, in certain the ability to, to work out on all of our facilities. So, so we have a lot of our students here already. And so that's, that's the good news. As we're moving forward for the fall, you know, certainly the last couple of weeks have not been great around the nation. Uh, you know, I think numbers of cases have uh, increased, and that's not something that we had hoped for in March and April. And so, you know, just you're taking a snapshot right now as far as what's transpired, and um, not great. I mean, I, that, simple as that. I mean, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's real. Um, and so we have to be cognizant of that. And then the other piece uh, through all of this is um, the NCAA uh, last week, uh, Dr. Brian Hainline and his group, uh, chief medical officer of the NCAA, sent out the third iteration of, I'll call it resocialization to sport through this pandemic time. And it really focused in on competition. And within that had some guidelines as far as what it in his perspective or his group's perspective, what it would take 
to play. And, you know, I, I, I'll say this is uh, appreciative of those guidelines for sure that the tricky part of it, Alex, right now is I, I'm not sure how attainable some of those guidelines are based on where we are from a testing standpoint in the country. So yeah. I, I'll leave that there and let you follow up with a question or two because I, I could keep going on and on and on. But but at the end, um, it, it is tricky right now because you want to you want to make sure that you're going to adhere and follow those guidelines. But our issue really in the state of North Dakota right now is not the wanting to test. It's the availability of testing and then ultimately the turnaround and results. And so that's the tricky part right now. And that's something that I think all of us sitting in the chairs that I'm sitting in right now are trying to get their head around. A lot to unpack there. And I think that's what everybody's trying to get their head around right now is like, how do you approach something that is so country, you know, it's, it's nationwide. This is of course a nationwide issue when you talk about this pandemic. And when you think about the well-being of student athletes and teams in general, but then also their families, the people that they're going to interact with in their dormitories and the communities, there's just so much. And then, uh, then you're in all the, all the support staff that goes into making athletics work, the referees, the people that are going to be inside the facility, you know, that are going to be coming in contact with all these folks. When you, you, you touched on there, some of the NCAA guidelines about how to have a, a competition in the midst of this pandemic, there are some stumbling blocks there. Like it's sort of almost like a perfect world type scenario where, hey, if we can do all these things, then we can play. But like you mentioned, some of those things are going to be difficult to do. Do you find that being maybe the biggest roadblock to getting back to the fall if the NCAA says, here's what needs to happen for you to play and most of the athletic programs in the country just can't meet those guidelines. Is that the biggest issue right now? Or is it more, is, is, is it something else? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is, is it something else that's going to stand in the way of this? Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's go macro and micro. And oh, I, I, I think the micro aspect of things, we'll talk guidelines in a second. And I feel like that's the micro side of things. Like I, I, it was great to get those guidelines. I wish and if you rewound the clock, let's just say four, six, eight weeks ago, if if there was a macro approach to this where all 32 conferences were being led in a sense by what is in the best uh, for for all of Division One at this point, that would have been the best case scenario for us. Absent of that, since that really did not occur, because I'll say it early on. I, I think the NCAA decided that they were going to kind of let individual institutions and conferences decide on what's in their best interest in playing in the fall and that they would weigh in on fall championships, but not necessarily regular season. But what's happened now over the last two to three weeks, you're seeing conferences and schools make decisions um, that are now, I'll call it, to some degree disjointed because yeah. you've got some making some decisions for let's just say January one. Some haven't made any decisions at all at this stage. We fall into that category with the summit, the Valley and the NCHC. We're sort of waiting and seeing until I'll say maybe to the last possible moment. And, and so you might then say, well, when's the last possible mm -hmm. moment? I would say, well, 
probably the end of July. I mean, I, is 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 a scenario where at least you're you're seeing the Big Twelve and the SEC and the ACC um, make decisions to say, look, let's just see where we are at that point. Because the one thing we're finding out is things are changing. It feels like on a daily, weekly basis. Now, if testing. And we can get into testing. And like I said, we could do literally a five-hour pod on testing at this point if we wanted to. But at the end of the day, if testing changes a bit, I'll call it point-of-care testing. Right now, we're not there as a a nation. I I would have thought in, 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 let's just say, April, we might be in a better place from a testing standpoint. We're not at this point because our turnaround time for our results – are even in a, in a state like ours, which I think is in pretty good shape compared to others, is in that 48 to 72 hour uh, range. Other states are seven to 10 days. And so if you look at the protocols, Alex, they're saying you need, a, you need tests and turn around those results in 72 hours. Some states literally can't do it at this point because they're overwhelmed. And so, um, so you're right. You want to absolutely follow those guidelines, but the question's going to become, is it feasible? Is it possible? I don't envy the people that are making these decisions. Again, same, same thing. A lot of things there to look at And, and let's back up for a second. You mentioned it, how it does feel like now everything has become segmented into conferences and even individual athletics programs of making decisions about what's going to happen for the fall. And we've seen that, like you said, the last two weeks where the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have said, we're just doing conference only for football. There's no fall sports at all for the Ivy League, for the Patriot League. I think the SWAC said no fall football. All the junior colleges have said they're going to move football to the spring. The Colonialists said no football from a conference standpoint, but member schools will be able to seek out opportunities to continue their fall schedule. So there's like a hybrid model there. One of the major FCS conferences is sort of just doing their own thing. Fall camp is supposed to start in like a week and a half for football and soccer for UND. By the way, soccer has an exhibition match on August the 15th. And like all these things are just right around the corner. And it's just... um. I think there's such a sense of, I don't know, anxiety, I suppose, a little bit at this point about like, gosh, what is going to happen and what are things going to look like? And it just, I think we still don't know. I think that to your point, right? It just feels that way that we still don't really know what the landscape is going to be like come the end of August. And we're at the end of July. It's wild. Yeah. You know, I think, I think there's an interim step that you can take in some of the conferences have taken that step to, I'll say, delay the start of fall sports. And uh, that's the initial step you can take before potentially you just say, hey, let's try to look at maybe fall sports in the spring. And if I took a temperature gauge right now on some of the uh, conferences that, that we're a part of right now, I think we're maybe more in that mindset than not. And so no decision has been made in that regard uh, as, we're, as we're recording this pod right now. But, you know, you, you could jump if you wanted to, to let's just say calendar year 21. But, the inter- but, but once you do that, it's hard to then go backwards, right? And say, hey, I'd rather do a delayed start. And I think to some degree, that's what the A-10 did. The A-10 sort of said, hey, we're going to do a look-in at some time in September as far as, hey, if, if the landscape has changed. And I think the thought process from our vantage point anyways has been, let's just see where we are, um, even in, the, you know, let's just say mid-August, because really at that point, Alex, we're still only, I'll say, practicing at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We haven't introduced travel 
And, and that's a whole nother story. And, and so I, I think, you know, we are, we're, I, I thought there was a really good metaphor to some degree. If you have a Creek and you have stones, you got to go to stone two before, you know, you go to stone three before you go to stone four. And I think we're taking it one stone at a time and others might have gone straight to stone six and that's okay. I mean, we might end up at stone six, who knows? But I think there's some things that we've got to uh, um, button up here, especially as it pertained to what Brian sent out. And, you know, the testing piece is this. And if I could just go down that path a little bit. Sure. Please do. Yeah. You know, and again, I I, want to say that, you know, if uh, let me just start on a really broad level. UND as an institution has every desire to want to test. And so, in fact, we also we we actually purchased our own Panther machine to want to actually set up our own lab. I mean, that actually is in process right now. The issue with it is the actual the actual machine is is been delayed because it's actually going to, I'll say, hotter spots in the country than North Dakota. So we, we have some issues in that regard. Test kits we've been told is, even if we had the machine, the test kits would not necessarily be in our uh, possession until early fall. So, so we've got some, you know, scenarios that we've got to wrestle with there. So we've been relying on state testing and the state's been, been great. They've tested us a couple of times, but the trick in that regard is they're not, it's not our, it's not our testing event. And so actually when we get the results, they're actually 48, 72, in some instances, 96 hours later. So there might be this thought out there that actually I'm getting this report, this tidy report after the testing event 24 hours later saying exactly what it is. I'm not. It's actually the Department of Health that's going through and going through all of, uh, um, you know, the folks that tested, in, in this case, our student athletes. And so so then we have to then navigate through potentially whatever positives we have. When you have a positive, when the Department of Health calls you, they also say to you, who have you been in contact with? Who's your close contact? Well, close contacts defined as someone that you've interacted with less than six feet apart for 15 minutes or more. If that's the case, they all then have to quarantine. And so all of that happens during a process of, I'll call it 72 to 96 uh, hours after the testing event. So to say I'm sitting on information right now, it, it, it's not instantaneous. And that's part of the issue that we're having from a testing standpoint. So if you were to say to me, if we ever got to a point of care test in this country, that would be more like a thermometer check so that mm-hmm. you'd end up getting the test results quicker than what we're getting them right now. So there's a lot of details and a lot of pieces of the puzzle that make it really, really difficult to kind of get your head around it. Um, and all of this you got to make sure it's a PCR test. If it's not a PCR test, that's something that the, the NCA has indicated as well. They have these things called antigen tests. An antigen test might tell you you're positive, but if a negative comes up, the negative, they're so unreliable, the tests, that you can't believe that it's a negative. 
So it's only good telling you it's a positive. So those are some of the issues that we're dealing with right now. And so, you know, I, I think we're literally on a daily basis working through all of these situations. All that to be said, we haven't gotten consistent testing dates, which we would love to have. If you said to me, we're going to test every Monday morning at 7 a.m., we'd sign up for it right now. Unfortunately, the availability isn't there as well. So I know that's a lot to unpack, <laughs> but those are some of the things over the last three weeks, you know, in, in a month we've been dealing with. And so, um, you know, I, I know that there's a thought of, you know, why isn't there readily more of information or available? Well, part of it is we're in real time with all of this. I think especially when you're dealing with such a wide group of people and these are big numbers of, of student athletes that are being tested and just people in Grand Forks that are being tested. It's a lot to... A lot to parse out. And <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you a question. Let me put you <laughs> on the spot. Did you know all that? No, I no, I did not. That's a good thing to some degree because it's not the world you live in. But at the end of the day, it, you know, we're beholden to some degree by what the Department of Health are doing on each state, and they're to some degree overwhelmed, in, 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 as you might imagine, as you're going through it. The labs themselves, private or otherwise, they're struggling to turn around of uh, results. We're seeing that in Major League Baseball. So at the end of the day, um, these are real, you know, issues that we're trying to get our head around. And I think these things are changing literally on a daily, weekly basis. And so therefore, that's why, you know, for some to make decisions to say, hey, it, it, we're just going to go ahead and go right to January one right now. You know, we've taken, I guess the more, um, I guess, uh, I don't know, cautious approach to some degree to say, Hey, look, let's see what's around the corner in the next day or so the next week or so until we have to make that decision. So essentially, again, this all comes down to the rate that you get this information and how accurate it is at the time when you get it. And we talked about this on a previous pod when someone is tested and the results come back. And like you said, when it's a maybe a two or a three day process, things can change. And all that all that data that you compile sometimes might not necessarily be accurate, even if it was at the moment of testing. It just gets to be this long. <laughs> it's a it's a difficult thing that we're trying to do of figuring out who's sick and who's healthy and how we can prevent the spread as much as we can amongst our teams. And I don't envy you guys with the responsibility of figuring all this out or our student athletes of, of trying to make sure they're safe while they get ready for a season that they've been looking forward to their whole lives or since the last season ended. It's, it's difficult times, hard, hard stuff from start to finish. Yeah, Alex, I, I think that, I think a couple things. One, um, what's difficult about the turnaround time at this point in time is unfortunately, because it's not instantaneous, you've got that you potentially were negative or positive. A positive obviously will, will trigger a different protocol. But if you're negative, you're negative in that snapshot in time. But it doesn't mean you're negative at that point in time. <laughs> so yeah. so it yeah. makes it interesting until we can kind of get that turnaround. And so um so I you know there's no doubt that we've got you know we've got the protocols in place that if you do test positive and again 
again, all this through the Department of Health um, that, you know, you're not coming into our facilities until you isolate and then make sure that you, you know, check the boxes that you don't have a fever and you do all the things you do and you isolate for the, the, the requisite number of days, all dictated by the Department of Health. And then you've put your list together, your close contact list, so that those folks have to quarantine for 14 days. So all that's in play at this stage of the game. You know, the, the thing that I, I, I'm hoping for is that we can uh, get to a, a more consistent testing, uh, uh, you know, I'll say like a weekly testing, because that does help us. Because the one thing we know is this, I'll say, age group for sure, although they're in fit condition and they might not be as, um, oh, um, they may not, uh, the, the virus might be a lesser, you know, situation for them as far as longer term effects than I'll say other age groups. The one thing they are though, Alex, is is potentially high risk spreaders. And that's the reason why the testing piece is important. So uh, so it's it's not lost on us for sure, but something that we're continuing to work on. Just to reinforce this to folks that maybe have not come in contact with somebody that's had this disease or don't maybe still think that it's not something that's going to affect them like, or, or that because they are of a certain age or of good health, that even if they get it, it's not going to be a big deal. Like this, this seriously is something that needs to be taken seriously. And we haven't done a great job as a country of really trying to reduce the spread of this virus since it kind of came. And that's too bad, but that's, I know personally, like my, my brother and my sister-in-law who were both in their thirties and in very good health, uh, both both got COVID-19 and both were in awful shape for about two and a half to three weeks. And for my brother especially, like it just kept coming back and knocking him down. And, and when he started to feel better, he would kind of relapse and get some of the same symptoms. And it's not even so much that, you know, they didn't have to go to the hospital, but they were just absolutely miserable for about three weeks or so. And they have young children and they were scared about what happens if they get it or if it gets worse, or what if we give it to our parents who are a little bit older and are more at risk. And I think just, um, that's just, again, just to impress upon people, if if you don't know someone that's had this or, or kind of are making light of this and want to just sort of pretend like it's not a big deal or why don't we just play sports and these are young kids and they'll be fine and you know, whatever, they'll get over it in a couple of weeks and we can just press on. I think the fact that it is serious, that we also don't have, this disease hasn't been around all that long. So we don't know the lasting effects of this when you get it. What could be your state in a year or in future years? How does this affect you long-term? And then also too, just again, logistically, if you really think about this, if you have a schedule, and you are set to play an opponent this coming week, whether in hockey or baseball or soccer or football or whatever, and that team gets sick, or if your team gets sick, and you have to cancel that game, and you have to cancel the next week's game as well, and you have to cancel the following week's game as well, because you need an extra buffer to get people back. The reality is it's going to be awfully tough to sort of play things out the way you planned on playing them, because this is such an infectious disease that it spreads so much. I th- they're just, again, there are just so many different scenarios that are going to pop up that are going to make playing in this current environment difficult. Not impossible, but make it very difficult for things to get pulled off. Not to be pessimistic, but that's, I think we're just not, we have to think about some of those things. Macro-wise, like you said, that's what's all kind of at stake and all at play here as we get ready for potentially a fall sports season that might have to get bumped back a little bit. It, it really, honestly, Alex, it's all about social interaction. And at the end of the day, everyone, everybody as an individual has to make choices on what type of social interaction you want to have. And and if you want five interactions, that will be riskier than four and four is riskier than three and three is riskier than two. 
not social distancing and not wearing face coverings are more risky than 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 not doing that. And so so those are those are the choices you have at this point in time. But what ends up happening is if someone does test positive and you're a close contact or deemed to be, that will take out that person as well. You can be on that list multiple times. So so you could be taken out for 14 days multiple times. It's kind of like, and again, playing Monopoly. You can go to jail multiple times. <laughs> it is. I, yeah. I mean, it, it, if you want to go into analogy mode, I mean, I, that's really what it is. And so at the end of the day, that's what can happen. And so, you know, really until we're, you know, until we get to a vaccine, until we get to more uh, point of care testing, that's more immediate. Um, those are some of the challenges. So I know we pounded this uh, home, but, you know, that's somewhat the reason why we have this pod. So we can go a little bit longer on these things. No, for sure. Yeah, I would say the vaccine is probably the get out of jail free card, while the close contact tracing would be more of the rolling doubles mode to get out, I feel. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Uh, taking that, uh, yes, c- continuing on that path, correct. That's fall sports right now, where we're just, just waiting, patiently waiting to see what's going to happen. So again, don't, well, we'll just wait. We're waiting. Uh, hockey, meanwhile, which is not a fall sport, that's one of the things that I think are was easy to miss maybe in some of those releases, but hockey is, even though it starts in the fall, is considered a winter sport because that's when you finish your championship season. We have seen, of course, some different games get taken off UND's schedule this year with Cornell. That was going to be a fun trip to Ithaca, New York to play a top three opponent. You know, a great matchup between two of the best teams from last season. The Ivies, of course, have decided not to play hockey until January of 2021. So that's off the schedule. Another schedule tweak that happened last week was the shift from the Hockey Hall of Fame game from Nashville to Grand Forks and moving the Nashville game to 2021. And I know this was something that you obviously, you and Jody and, and the rest of the group, you know, these are big decisions and you wanted to give people 90 days out to sort of cancel flights and, and switch hotel arrangements and all those things, which again, seemed to be, that's a very practical approach. And this was, this was not something essentially you could kick the can on. You needed to make a decision and, and did so. So again, Hockey Hall of Fame game in Grand Forks, Nashville game moved to 2021. Talk about the, the, the decision making that went into that and the fallout now moving forward. Yeah, I think simply we looked at where Nashville was uh, currently. And at this point in time, they've unfortunately had some spikes uh, in Nashville, which which would have limited at this stage of the game uh, how many uh, fans could be into an arena. And unless we could do it at 100%, Alex, it didn't make a whole lot of sense for us. And I, I think there's a lot of you know pieces of that puzzle that you could go down, but simply uh i i think that's where we kind of drew the line we we you know and, and jody's done a tremendous job and his staff and you know i think we we said let's let's take a look at where we are 90 days out and i think that's only fair to our uh incredible fan base that again uh, i think you're talking 45 out of 50 states we're going to be represented uh in nashville um i think five out of 10 canadian provinces and so and probably other countries around the world and so i i think we just needed to be really fair that the trick to all this was could we fast forward it uh, basically 365 days in and and put all those pieces of the puzzle together. And I, I don't know, maybe it was a little bit more than 365 days later, but but generally the answer has been yes. And so uh, I think once that occurred, that was uh, you know a scenario where we just said it, it made a whole lot of sense based on where we were today. 
Yeah, what about 378 days in advance? Because now the game is moved to October the 30th, which is just fine. Just a little bit later in the month. Still works out great with Bridgestone Arena being available. Penn State available to come in and play. Now, that of course is... With that game, by the way, one cool thing is that anybody that had a ticket purchased, that ticket is still going to be good for next year, correct? Correct. That is correct. Yep. Yeah, so that works out well. So we don't have to go through the whole process of reallocating tickets for the University of North Dakota Athletic Department and for the REA. Uh, one unique thing with that, so again, with Penn State now being moved to next year, they are now off the schedule for this year's Hockey Hall of Fame game. What are those com- – I know, again, this is still a couple of months out and everything is still fluid, but I'm assuming that that would be the hope to find a filler then for that October 17th game. And then also, too, with that October 30th and 31st series against Cornell, is the hope still to try and fill in those gaps with other opponents instead of just having – just open dates those weekends? Yeah, that's the thought anyways, Alex. Um, you know, Coach Barry does a great job. It really starts with uh, him him and uh, his staff and, and, and Pat Swanson to kick tires. And so, uh, you know, everything's so fluid right now that there's other schools that have uh, potentially lost uh, opponents as well. And so, so more to come. We don't have an announcement at that point in time. So we just, uh, we knew that if Penn State was willing to, to do this thing in a sense a year later that was uh, that was probably the best case scenario for that particular um, situation then we bring back the Hall of Fame game here to Grand Forks and then we just got to find an opponent and and we're in the process right now of doing that yeah watch this space or watch other spaces as we move forward here with, with that news when it breaks one last question about the Hall of Fame game so the 2021 Hall of Fame game, uh, according to Brad Schlossman, was in the possession of the XL Energy Center. And UND had bought that game from the XL last year. Is that the case in 2021? Did we just purchase that game from the X again? Bill's nodding. Nice. <laughs> it is. I, yeah, I, I mean, uh, and those were some of the details that had to be worked out. I mean, there were, there were a tremendous amount of details that had to be worked out with hotels and then the kind of the pre, uh, pre-game events. And, uh, you know, in, in some ways, the Penn State conversation was uh, probably the easiest conversation. It was really all of the other ancillary events, the hotels, and then uh, the purchasing of uh, of the Hall of Fame game from the X. And so all of those uh, probably were more difficult than actually the conversation with Penn State. So, um, and again, I can't I can't emphasize enough. Uh, you know, Jody is Jody's a workhorse. His staff's uh, tremendous, and we're just. Uh, can't be any, um, I don't know, luckier to have, uh, you know, folks, uh, uh, at the Ralph that, that, you know, do what they do. Yeah. I would echo that as well. Well, exciting stuff that this is still going to happen just a year later. Fun that UNT gets another home game in Grand Forks this fall. Fingers crossed. We'll be looking forward to hearing who they'll be playing. One other hockey note, just because we're talking about this news about the NHL draft came out last week that it's going to be taking place on October the 9th and 10th now. Of course, it was originally going to be back in June in Montreal. Now it's going to be a more virtual event. It's unique because that's North Dakota's opening weekend of the regular season. And there are a number of players who are going to be on UND's roster playing in Bemidji during round one and playing at home in the Ralph during round two that are going to get drafted while they're playing. And we'll find out where they go after the game. What a unique way to have a moment that you've been waiting for a long, long time, a special, special moment to sort of get broken to you after the fact. <laughs> right, your thoughts your thoughts on that for some of our guys that will hear their names called but won't actually hear 
their names called because they'll be playing the game. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of unique, you know, kind of interesting that um, if you're if if it was going to happen, at least they're actually playing the sport, you know, as it's happening. So in some ways, at least, the, you know, uh, the reason why they're getting drafted is because of uh, the reason why they, in a sense, can't be there. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we're lucky enough to potentially have, a, you know, a couple um, couple to, to, to more than a couple of individuals that, that might be in that, uh, in, in that situation. But my guess is it will be all about um, the opportunity to, 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 you know, live a, a, a dream that they've had probably since they were uh, just lacing up skates as probably a two or three year old. So uh, exciting stuff for some of our guys. Yeah, it is wild to think that you're, you're a freshman in college. For, for some of these young men, this is your first time putting on a UND uniform. Potentially, I was going to say in a regular season game, but depending on with Manitoba, if the Canadian border opens up and all the things there, could be the first time period that you're putting on a jersey. And you're also getting drafted the same night. There's just a lot of, that's a lot of big firsts, big emotions, big milestones that are taking place. That's a lot for an 18, 19 year old to handle. Yeah, it's like it's like buying a house, uh, getting married, uh, you know, right. Having all these things happen all at once. Right. It's like uh, and, and it's like you're putting it all on that weekend. But it's kind of cool, though. I mean, uh, hey, you're doing what you love and you're doing what you uh, the reason why you're actually getting drafted is is what you're doing that night. So it's kind of it, 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 it's kind of some 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 cool symmetry to that. Yeah, it works. It's going to work. It's going to be good. It's good. Uh, more on hockey and NHL stuff coming up in a bit on the B side. Before we go into those things, though, uh, some other big Summit League news. And this is this happened about a week ago. It's St. Thomas, and we've been talking about this on the pod a lot, had applied to make that move from D3 to D1. They needed an NCAA waiver to do that because the rules of state, you got to go from D3 to D2 and then D2 to D1. And there are five years sort of in between. St. Thomas was granted that waiver this past week, and so they will be a fully-fledged Summit League member in 2021-2022. There, of course, is still a five-year transition process, so they wouldn't be eligible for postseason play. But still, that's a great ruling that we expected, but but are, are still, I think, really excited about as a league to get to 10 teams, to have another Midwest big city now involved in the conference and this just seems to check a lot. And, and another another D1 hockey school for men and women coming aboard. A lot Checking a lot of boxes, adding the Tommies here. Great, great news for the Summer League. And another FCS opponent for us as well. Yes. Football going Pioneer League. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I agree, Alex. I You know, I was... Um... I'll be honest with you. I was a bit perplexed what why it took so long. I mean, I I, um, I know Justin Sell, uh, our council representative. He's the AD at South Dakota State. And when I was on the council when it started back in '15, when the governance structure switched over, uh, at that point uh, we were on the council together. Um, and uh, and he's still he he's the sole survivor. He's the last one from from 2015. I don't know what kind of award that is or or or, or punishment that is one or the other. Um, but he's still on. And uh, and I know he went to bat hard uh, for the Tommies. And uh, I, I think this uh, when when the reclassification rule was put in place that you had to go from three to two to one. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think anyone kind of envisioned that you know, a scenario would occur to St. Thomas as to, as, as what happened to them in their conference. And then they had a choice to make. Was it really just a leap to division one or go to division two? And I think in most instances, it probably makes sense. You go division two, right? It's like that interim step, but this was so unique 
that uh, I don't think there's many University of St. Thomas's out there, especially given the fact that they had a landing place. And that's one of the prerequisites to go Division One that you have a conference to, to go to. And so uh, all those put together, um, it, it was weird. I think it, it took so long. I, I thought it was going to get done in April. It didn't. It got kicked to June. But, but fortunately, it, it did occur. It gets us to 10 schools um, starting next year. And that will be incredibly helpful for travel partners and uh, and for schedules, uh, even schedule, even number of schools from a scheduling standpoint, better than odd, way better than odd. And uh, and then having the ability to have another hockey school uh, in the country for sure makes a big difference. And then obviously the FCS as well. And so uh, put all that together, Alex, good day for us. Kudos to Justin. He, I know he really went to bat for them and uh, there just was some pushback, I think, thinking that this would open the floodgates for other division threes that want to go division one. I just don't see that there's, uh, there's going to be many in that bucket. Well, not a lot of D3 schools get kicked out of their conference and not a lot have the type of endowment and, and the resources and the alumni base that St. Thomas has. Not a lot are in a major U.S. city. There's just a lot of reasons why this is unique. And again, like you said, not a lot have a, a conference that is ready to welcome them with open arms that needs someone like them to fill out those numbers. Yeah, I, I would say this will be a unique case that we're not going to see replicated very often. This won't be a landmark decision, I don't feel, but... We, of course, have all been wrong before. But anyway, welcome St. Thomas to the Summer League. Kansas City this year, St. Thomas next year. Let's go. Ten schools. Here we go. You know, we the pod has been very consistent. It wanted even numbers. <laughs> That's been our stance since the beginning. We like the evens. We like the evens. I'm not even suggesting that I, I like 10 over 12. I just like even numbers. <laughs> does make things a heck of a lot easier, that's for sure. So looking forward to having the Tommies a part of the league. Uh, before we go over to the B side, we did want to touch on a story that took place over the weekends uh, and a really a tragic story uh, involving former provost Tom DiLorenzo. And if you are you know, a UND person or have been a part of the school or were a part of the university for the last decade, you knew Tom and, and knew what he meant to the school. And he was uh, tragically shot and killed during a robbery in South Carolina on Friday. His wife had just been named the provost at the College of Charleston. They had just moved out there. Tom had retired. They were getting ready to start sort of this new life on the East Coast. And, and then this happens. He was 63 years old and he was someone that you worked with and, and knew and uh, somebody that made a big impact in the, in the Grand Forks community and certainly at the University of North Dakota. Yeah, Alex, uh, you know, thanks for bringing it up. Uh, tragic is the word. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, my connection to Tom actually was probably a little bit deeper than you might think because he was the chair of the search committee for the athletic director's job. And uh -huh. so, so, um, so it, in essence, I really, I, I really was really connected with Tom and, uh, he's such a caring human being that, uh, you know, he, that's just his nature was his nature to to care so much about um, uh, the people he worked with. And, and like I said, because, and it was just ironic, and I kind of tell this story a little bit, and Tom was the first one self-effacing that he really knows nothing about sports. And, uh, and it was just ironic, he was the actual chair. And, and in so many ways, he was the perfect chair because he he was there to really make sure and uh, and orchestrate a, a a search committee 
And in, in that case scenario, the search committee was, was rather large. And I think anytime you get beyond, I'll say 10 in a search committee, it, it can get, you know, interesting. It, it just does. And, uh, and, and I, I think, uh, in talking to Bill Carr, who, who assisted, uh, his search firm assisted the search committee. Um, and, and that's, it's kind of standard operating procedure in Division One that that occurs. I think a search committee, you 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 bring them in for a level of expertise around the country, and that that's helpful to a search committee. Although the search committee is the last one, obviously that's going to recommend uh, a decision to the president. Um, and Bill had said that Tom D. Lorenzo was easily the best search chair he's ever worked with. And um, for a variety of reasons, his experience, his compassion, the way he was able to make sure that everyone was included in the conversation, he just was a maestro. And uh, mm -hmm. we lost just a tremendous human being on Friday. And, you know, the sad part of it all is, and if you can, if you read the story, the, the story was about, it would seem as if two youths that that unfortunately made a decision um, to to confront Tom and his wife. And if you knew Tom DiLorenzo, you would have known that that he would have helped them. He would that would have been his nature. And it's it's sad. It's sad how it played itself out. They had the rest. They had the the, the next chapter of their life all in front of them and, and sadly was taken. So you're right, Alex, a very sad day for UND. And, and I can tell you this, many, many on this campus are mourning Tom DiLorenzo. Yeah, certainly our thoughts and prayers with Tom's family, um, his wife, Suzanne. And, you know, we words just words don't really. Yeah. Words don't do it justice. You just you just feel terrible when things like this happen. And so, um, so yeah, just a moment of silence for Tom. Bill, as we kind of look from a high vantage point now, is there anything that we missed today on the pod that you'd like to touch on, either from a UND or NCAA perspective? Anything you'd like to to look into before we do a quick flip over to the B side? No, you know, I'm not sure the next time we'll do a pod. I, I, I'm going to guess in a couple of weeks, you know, we'll know a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I, I sure hope that uh, folks understand that, you know, I, I'm always optimistic about, you know, what potentially can happen. And we have all the reasons to believe that we want to play for sure in the fall, but we also have to be thoughtful about, you know, what's happening around us in the country. And, uh, and, you know, there might be just some scenarios that happen, I'll call it external to us that there's, you know, we have no control over. And so just know that we're monitoring it on a literally a daily and sometimes hourly basis. And, um, you know, we're going to make the right decisions for UND. Yeah. Well, as we always say, the great ones adjust and there's going to maybe be a little bit of adjusting coming and, and I think we're going to be ready for it. Amen. <laughs> awesome. We'll do a quick flip over to the B side because you've already talked quite a bit uh, about A side topics. This summer is quickly moving along. It's the end of July. And that means now that after waiting for a while, professional sports here in America are getting ready to come back in full. We've got Major League Baseball. Opening night is on Thursday. The NBA starts next 
next Thursday as well. Sorry, July the 30th, next Thursday in Orlando. And the NHL starts in, that's going to be like a fire hydrant of hockey coming up on August the 1st with the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think five or six games a day in Edmonton and Toronto. So when you look at these three major sports that are all coming back within a week of each other, which are you most looking forward to returning, Bill? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, you know, I, I and, and this is going to sound like a complete cop-out. Uh, I, I've been so focused in on what's happening with us that yeah. I have not spent a whole lot of time even. Uh, you know where I've spent a lot of time with those is how they're doing their protocols. There you go. And, and what is happening. And truly, I, as far as the actual games themselves, I haven't even put myself in a position to think through um, any of that at this point, because I think major league baseball, Alex is closest to what we're trying to do in intercollegiate athletics because they're traveling. Right. No bubble with the pros. They are moving from city to city. Yeah. Yep. So that, you know, and, and so part of, I guess uh, the whole intercollegiate athletic piece is I had hoped or wished that maybe we had started professional sports like Europe had at this point. And, and that's not the case. And so, uh, you know, if you're going to say as a fan, what have I done? Boy, I, I haven't done a whole lot. How about that? No, that's, I think that's pretty understandable, quite frankly, given everything that's going on in your world right now, that you would not necessarily be looking at summer camp box scores from the Red Sox or honing up on <laughs> what's going on with the Celtics, et cetera. So plus you got Spurs to watch You're you're be that you've already got like one little thing that's sort of keeping your attention. We'll figure out the other stuff as it comes. Um, it, it will be fun when they all do come back. There will be sort of all, even though you'll be watching, you know, basically summer league basketball in these small gyms on the Disney World campus and baseball played in empty stadiums. Like there'll be, there'll be some sense of normalcy when you, when you can flip on a baseball game on a Wednesday night or check out a box score the next morning. Like those things, it'll be nice when they all return. I will say that. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think they've all done uh, as best as they can with what they know right now. You know, I, I, I'd say I, I, I go by kind of three three sentences, Alex. I, I actually have it on my computer screen right now, and it says, lower the likelihood, not prevent. Mitigate risk, not eliminate. Increase safety, not ensure. And those are the things that we're in a global pandemic. I think that's kind of, the mindset that many of us are, 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 are living by at this stage of the game. And, uh, you know, we're just in, uh, interesting times and, uh, we're going to learn for sure about how the professional sports are, are, are playing games. And my guess is, as you said it before, the great ones adjust. My guess is there's going to be some adjusting and pivoting along the way. We've seen so far again in Europe, different situation, but we've seen, Fans, you know, not allowed into stadiums in most places around Europe as, as summer soccer is kind of finished up. The EPL wraps up this weekend. We've not seen teams get taken down because of an outbreak of coronavirus in, in their particular camp. So that's been positive. We've seen some countries like France, for example, start to allow fans back in. So there have been some positive signs, but obviously the U.S. is kind of in a different place than what those countries are. So the hope is, yeah, that things can get better in this country and, and this sports can hopefully help with some of that healing moving in the right direction. No doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I guess you're right, Alex. I have not necessarily been up to speed 
and I'll call it how uh, any of let's just call talk the Premier League at this point. How many teams have been affected by uh, potentially uh, uh, players being out? I I I haven't heard much. I it, it, the certainly they've been out because of injury for for sure. But mm-hmm. I haven't heard much about you know positive tests when it comes to EPL teams. Things have gotten a lot better. I know when everybody reconvened initially, there were there were a number of tests, like clubs like Watford and Leicester, and th- there were some teams that really had to pull back. But there was such a slow ramp up where you sort of went and you got back to the facility and then you quarantined for a while. And then you did five-a-side games where you're not interacting with big groups. And then you slow... So they kind of worked their way through that initial phase. It wasn't like everybody arrived and boom, we're playing 11 on 11. You know, we're doing, you know, intense practice drills with a lot of contact. So I think that's why they didn't have games suspended because you sort of did have this slow process of people building up. Immunity is not the right word, but again, we basically found out that these people don't have coronavirus and now we're going to sort of keep them away from the rest of society for a while so they don't get it. That's basically what we saw in Europe and that was effective. And I think that's what we're going to hopefully see with the NBA and with the NHL where these people have kind of been cloistered a little bit. But like you said, baseball is going to be a bit of a different story because you are going from city to city. Yeah, I found it interesting that uh, it's just just interesting where we are, right? Toronto can't play uh, at their own oh, place, right? Yeah, I mean, kind exactly. of interesting. So, so that's you know, in, you know, and again, the NHL is bubbled there, so I, obviously that's a little bit different scenario. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to learn. We're going to learn, uh, you know, how that transpires, and uh, you know, I'm kind of excited, uh, you know, on how that goes. And uh, for sure, I mean, if, if now you're going to tell us that we have the opportunity to see some live sports at at, at night, that is just awesome. So, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. Now, you and I have been enjoying live sports for the duration of the summer because it has been. From a, from a soccer fan's perspective, again, a pretty nice little summer. We lost the European championships, which are always great, but we gained basically soccer every day, meaningful soccer every day between the Bundesliga. And then once that ended, then the EPL had started just the week before. Now that's finishing up this weekend, but there's been so much going on that you guys always have, there's almost always a match on, which has been kind of fun. Uh, your Spurs now, by the way, as we go into the final week of the season, have something tangible to play for. You've got a shot to make a European competition if they, if results essentially go their way or if they take care of business uh, this Sunday against a really, really bad Crystal Palace team that have lost like eight straight matches in a row. Do you want, first of all, I'm assuming I know the answer, but do you want to see Spurs in the Europa League, which has kind of been considered a bit of a poison chalice because you got to play on Thursday night in Krasnodar and things like that. But I'm assuming you want them, though, to make the competition? Appreciate the kiss of death. That means uh, Crystal <laughs> Crystal Palace 2, Spurs 1. I mean, I, I mean, can, can we just say that right now? Holy cow. I mean, really. I made, you know, I, I had a hitting streak of 55 games. And, uh, you know, you just said, hey, no problem. You own that pitcher. So, uh, <laughs> perfect. Thanks, Alex. Um, do I want, you know, it's funny. I, I think uh, my son and I have gone back and forth with this a little bit. And initially, I, I was... Um, thinking, yeah, maybe it's just better that they get a chance to focus in like Lester did that one year, right, on EPL. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's one way to look at it. But I think like anything else, go play your best soccer and let the chips fall where they may. And if it means that you play European soccer, that's okay too. I think that as long as Mourinho's there, I, I, I do think that he will take certain tournaments and competitions, uh, I don't want to say more seriously, than Poch did, but I think he'll 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 
he'll try to he's going to try to bring home a trophy. That's what he's going to try to do. And so so if you play European soccer, you just have another opportunity to bring something home. He did win the Europa League a couple of years ago with with Man United and has a history of raising shiny cups and plates and things like that. So the equation's pretty simple if you win and Wolves draw. And again, you have the easier game. Again, just again, really laying on the jinxing right now. But Wolves play Man United, who also have a lot to play for at the weekend. Uh, and then Spurs play Crystal Palace. But again, if your result is better than Wolves is, or if Chelsea beat Arsenal in the FA Cup, you're going to be in Europa League. So good luck with that <laughs> come up this weekend. I got a trophy to raise, but good luck with that coming up this weekend. We'll be looking out for you. Liverpool's had a uh, talk about... Um, I, I, they they've been the antithesis of the restart. They've been awful. So it's at the end well, of the day. Hey. I, but but they had already done their thing. Yeah. They had already done their thing. You could have beaten Arsenal for us. <laughs> they uh yeah. I mean that this is a simple case. You talk about the sports psychology of being a team that has already broken the tape. It's really hard to keep running when you've crossed the finish line. And there were, there were some tangible records they could have broken, most points in a season, most wins, most home wins, all those things. But when the season has been so long anyway, and you're already – again, because, again, next season is going to start probably in October, which is just kind of – so preseason training is going to start in September. I think you could understand why. Liverpool have not played as well over the last couple of weeks and losing to Arsenal and losing to City and drawing with Burnley and like some of the results, they're still going to put up either, you know, they'll be in the high 90s in terms of points. They'll still go down as one of the highest point scoring Premier League teams of all time. It was a phenomenal season and they won their first championship in 30 years. So I'm not too fussed. No, no, they, it was a complete selfish comment. But at the end of the day, uh, it was good. The Spurs had to take care of Arsenal themselves, and that's what they did. So, uh, and that, and, and so I, I'd say, you know, for some some teams, the restart's been pretty good. And I, I think I put Tottenham in that category. I mean, they, you know, I think they, they've kind of figured a few things out and I know that they were sputtering to the end when it, when it stopped because they had so many injuries. And so we'll see, I, you know, it kind of feels as if Mourinho's kind of putting his stamp on the team a little bit, a little bit. And so uh, we'll see I, next year ought to be very interesting, but to answer your question, yes, I, I, I you know what, give me more spurs. I, I'll take European play. The other thought is it, it really does give you an opportunity to go to champions league the following year. If you ever happen to win the thing, right? It is an automatic entry. Yep. Winning the Europa league automatically gets you into the big competition. You of course would like to just rather finish top four and not have to worry about that. But yes, you are correct. It is one path. And I think there's a financial, uh, there's, you know, it, it, it's, it's financially, uh, worth your time as well. So, I, so I think, I think there's a, a number of pieces to this, but there's still, you're right. There's a couple things that have to happen. I, a, a result of a tie and a wolves loss does not get us there. It would have to be a win, in win. A, in a, at worst, a tie for them. It would be fine or an Arsenal loss to Chelsea in the FA Cup final. So so there's a couple different pathways, but uh, th- this just in, let's let's win on Sunday and then uh, have the Wolves get a, uh, uh, let's just say, not a win against Man U. 
That's it. That's the, that's the math right there. Cool. Well, it'll be fun. I, it'll be weird when it's gone. I'm not sure. I'm very thankful that all these other sports leagues are beginning because you get so used to the routine of, oh, what matches on today at noon or at 2.30? And now that's going to be leaving our lives here coming, <laughs> coming on Monday. So very thankful that we're going to have hockey and baseball and basketball back in our lives here soon. And hopefully, fingers crossed, college sports to follow not too far away. But again, watch this space. Be, be paying attention to what's happening. Decisions being made on fall sports coming up soon. Bill, thanks again for all the transparency this week. A lot of stuff to sift through, but we appreciate you. Get some sleep. <laughs> Try not to stress too much about this. We trust your leadership, buddy. Things are going to be okay. Well, we I appreciate you, Alex. I, I you know I, we're learning every day, and we are uh, you know we're only as good as the information we have that comes to us on a daily basis. And you know I'm hopeful that you know some of the you know, brightest minds in the world are working on uh, obviously a vaccine. And then obviously from a testing standpoint, almost like a, uh, in a sense, using, uh, using uh, an analogy of, you know, big screen TVs, I think at one point were very, very expensive. They're not so much expensive anymore. I'm hoping testing can get into that same category in the next couple of months as well. Fingers crossed. Awesome. Well, Bill, appreciate you. Big thanks to Mr. Bill Chaves for all the time today. Enjoy the next couple of weeks. We'll be chatting soon. All right. Thanks, Alex. All right. For Bill Chaves, for our producer, Cassie Niles, I'm Alex Sander. Thanks again for listening. As always, be safe, be smart. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.